transcurrir es is insane. I start seeing hail and I start seeing like thunders and that was the only moment when I slept. I slept like three hours. I knew I couldn't descend without getting like a micro sleep. This is Basalon Cycling, the podcast that takes you on thrilling adventures in the world of cycling, ultra cycling and bikepacking. I'm your host Sherry. Today's episode is sponsored by Basalon Coffee, a specialty coffee from Colombia to boost your next ride. Joining me today from Bogotá, Colombia is Julian Manrique, director, cinematographer, ultra cyclist and winner of the 2023 Transcordilleras Unsupported Race across the Colombian Andes. Welcome to the show, Julian. Thank you very much, Sherry. It's great being here and it's great uh, having a chat with you. Awesome. Actually, Julian and I met during Transiberica last year. He's the most cheerful and fun rider I bump into <laughs> on the road. But uh, I'm curious, Julian, how did you get into ultra cycling? What's your story? Well, I mean, it started, I mean, ultra cycling started like as a, like as a random series of, of, of meetings and, and, and like the randomness of life because I, I met Lyle Wilcox while she was here in Colombia scouting for a, for a huge uh, project that they have about Conservation International in the Colombian Paramos. And mm -hmm. it was really interesting because I, I love cycling and I, and I love the adventure and I love like having bikepacking trips and, and you know, discovering our places and, and Colombia is like, uh, it's getting big in the terms of cycling. So everything kinds of like pushes you to discover your boundaries and to discover new places. and. Uh, When I met Lael, I just discovered like like this new route of cycling, which is ultra cycling, and and I, and I, I I admire her a lot because she's like she's really steady on her pace, and I mm -hmm. mean I mean here in Colombia everybody wants to attack themselves, you know everybody's like super competitive and 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 everybody likes to you know go full full on the climbs, uh, having hardcore rides and stuff, but nothing like as I met with Lyle, that she was like having this 420 kilometer adventure with gravel and her pace was really steady and she could keep pushing uh, within the hours. Like that was something that I've never seen. I already also worked with Lachlan Morton, which right mm -hmm. now he's like the one of the best ones in the world. And at that time he was just starting to discover himself in ultra cycling and I had the chance to do a documentary with him. And I also understand like, okay, cycling is having this new path. And of course, ultra cycling have been here forever here in the cycling world. And, but for us in Colombia, it's like something new and having these people coming here to, you know, make a little bit more of a, a scene and, 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 and bringing people in and, and discovering all these new uh, phases of cycling. So I just, uh, I discovered that, I, I mean, I was with uh, Lael on her 420 kilometer trip. I was with her for 150 or something. And mm -hmm. I got really excited because I said like, I can also do this and I like, this is what I like, you know? And, and Lael was not fearful of the night or the cold or anything. She just keep pushing. And I like this sensation of uh, being in adventure, like being, uh, you know, uh, against yourself Uh, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> discovering your own boundaries. And that's something that I liked. And I started like doing these ultra cycling races. And and then I went to Europe and I met you and I met Gideon. I, I, I started meeting more people like with the same ideas. And, and, you know, ultra cycling is more about like 
it's about facing yourself against uh, against yourself, right? And it's exciting mm -hmm. also meeting people that that have the same passion. Exactly. I find a lot in the ultra races, the community feeling, you feel like, uh, I don't know, we are all so different, but we are all connected by the same uh, passion, which is like adventure and finding yourself. But I'm interested, you mentioned that you race in uh, Colombia and also in Europe. Do you find it uh, very different, like in terms of resupplies or maybe the landscape or how you experience these events? Yes, actually, I think the, the most big uh, difference that I can find between racing in Colombia or in South America, because I also was in Brazil, mm -hmm. against Europe, it's, um, it's the resupplies. I mean, Colombia, because uh, half of the country is just Amazon, the other half is populated by the rest of the people. So you can find little towns, you can find resupply points, small stores, um, people selling fruits, everything will be like really condensed. Even in the middle of the night, you can find like a, a gas station stop or a, a driver stop or, or whatever. And you can resupply in an in a easiest way. When I was in, 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 in Spain, I could find myself riding for 30, 40 kilometers without having anything. And, you know, you only can rely on, on the small uh, gas station stops because sometimes, or especially in a Sunday, in a Sunday in Spain, there's nothing open. And you can find yourself like really struggling by like like resupplying against uh, Colombia or Brazil. You can have like at least something that you can be, you know, you you, you can find some food or you can find some water. Uh, and also the difference is in terms of humidity. <laughs> Here in South America, it's really humid and it's really moist and you can have all of the weathers in the same day. You can have rain, like you can have cold, you can have heat and everything is like puts you on, on, on the test. In Europe, uh, you can play with the seasons and usually the races are on, on the summertime, which is perfect because I cannot imagine <laughs> racing an ultra cycling race, doing a mountain pass in the, in the, in the cold. I, I know you have done that, Cherry, and, and I admire you for that because that's going to be yeah. hardcore. Yes, indeed. As you mentioned, it's a difference. You have like uh, different conditions and sometimes, yeah, in Europe uh, now it's changing a lot. You expect it's going to be sunny and then you go to a mountain pass and you freeze. <laughs> But I think it's part of the challenge indeed. And uh, I saw that uh, you raced Transcordilleras and uh, I mean, your performance was incredible. Congratulations. I'm really proud to see you, you know, like... Uh, coming first and uh, yeah, really amazing. But I'm wondering, uh, is it very different to race off-road? This is like gravel madness in Colombia. Even some <laughs> pro cyclists were saying that this is the craziest gravel they ever done. But uh, <laughs> how do you find um, how different it is from road? How is your strategy, your equipment or your preparation road versus yeah. off-road? Yeah, actually that's... Uh... That's true. Yeah, Transcordillera is, is insane. <laughs> the amount of gravel and the terrain itself and the steepness of the climbs and everything makes you a, it's, it's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge when you're tired and you have to face another 30 kilometer gravel pass. And here the gravel pass is never like, like stable. It, everything is uneven. There's mud, there's huge rocks and you're always struggling with that. And, uh, I mean, uh, winning Transcordilleras was also the combination between luck and the combination between everything happening in the, in, the, in the exact amount moment that it had happened because 
I don't know, when you try to pass a gravel path in the in the night, you are struggling more with the lights, you are becoming slower. And I had the chance to pass those uh, important segments in the daylight. So it mm. saved me a little bit of time. And there's a lot of a strategy going on. And, and, and you have to be really cautious with your equipment, with your, with your bike especially. So, I mean, yeah. there's moments where there was like huge mud passes and you can you can you can pass by like full gas on it and splash everything out and you get all muddied up and 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 you get there it doesn't matter you keep on racing or you can actually in my case i i i prefer to step down from the bike and and push and, and push my bike while walking because or passing really slow all the mud passes because uh if you wreck your bike, you're done, you know, and even even the even the mud can get stuck in your uh, drivetrain and everything and, and, and everything can be like a factor that can damage your bike. And it really happened to me in Brazil. I was like so excited that I didn't care about the mud, about everything, about the dirt. And I went too fast on some passes that I could have slowed down and take care of my bike a little bit. And uh, at the end, uh, all my gears start to got it stuck because I was using mechanical gears and, and it, mm. it got stuck because of the amount of mud and I couldn't even like, you know, take out the cables and fix it out. It's already too too damaged. So so in Transcordilleras on, or in off-road, you have to be really cautious about protecting your bike and protecting yourself. And if you have a, a crash or if you fall down or everything, it could wreck your bike like super fast. Mm-hmm. Bringing the un- enough amount of uh, chain lube is like crucial as well because chain lube will will dry out really fast or the mud it will take it out and you have to resupply and you have to re re put some more uh, chain lube and that's that's a hard thing to do you know you have to be really aware of everything and while you're descending you're thinking about oh my god this work is huge I have to to dodge it and then you have to dodge another one and then you know it's like everything is putting stress in your mind. When you're racing road, uh, and there's a huge difference with it, and and it's the mental factor because in road you can you can focus on just pedal, you know, and just just keep on going, just keep on pedaling. Sometimes mm-hmm. those moments can you know can can be can stretch even more because sometimes you can find yourself in a in a in a section when where the landscape is the same, everything is the same, and you're just like tired about seeing the same landscape and being at the same pace, you know. Maybe you get sleepier or something, and yeah. that's like a, that's another challenge as well. So, I think uh, you have to discover which type of uh, cyclist would you like to be, or or which type of race would you like to race. You know, I cannot mm-hmm. imagine having the same Transiberica distance in a gravel race. <laughs> that would be insane. You know, so choosing your right uh, race and the experience that you want to have is also like crucial to have fun. Uh, it's like it's like the response of having fun on, on on these challenges, right? Yeah, exactly. I find what you said, like especially in Transiberica, there's an element of luck. I remember <laughs> if we have gone through that storm in Rio Cuervo on time, we would have <laughs> saved a lot of time. I remember yeah. you telling me the story about having to stop because there was like a hail. I I remember <laughs> you told me something like this. Can you talk to yeah. about so, it? Yeah. So I mean. So when we're, we are in race mode, you just want to keep on pushing. And sometimes you see a huge black cloud coming in and you're like, oh, man, this might get messy. And I, I, I keep on pushing, of course. And after a few kilometers of getting out of the town, definitely the cloud was coming after me. And uh, I start seeing hail and I start seeing like thunders and 
really close to me and I got like really scared. And you know, you know, when with with the thunders and the storms, you cannot get under a tree of you will get like uh, electrified. So I had to get in the middle of the field. Just I just threw my bike and I went into the emergency blanket, like seeing all these huge thunders uh, coming around me, and I was like, oh my god, this is this is insane. And everything passes also really fast. So it was like 20 minutes with huge like rainstorm with hail and this uh, storm coming in. And then after 20, 20 minutes, everything was like sunny again. And I was like, oh my God, this is really insane. And you have to be prepared, you know, or you have to be a little bit aware about the weather and your surroundings. So that was, yeah, I think it was one of the hardest experiences I ever had. Yes, indeed, I can imagine. <laughs> it's always unpredictable, right? Uh, you think uh, something is going to be away, and then it turns out to be the opposite, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, for example, um, how did you prepare for the race? Uh, do you have a different training, let's say more intensity? Because I guess off-road requires you to push harder over these uh, steep climbs, so getting over bumps is not like uh, you can carry speed, like, for example, in, in road. Yeah, that's true, and... Uh, I at the beginning I didn't have any type of like training. I just liked to ride, and and a couple of years later I discovered like you can train for this in in the proper way, right? And 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 pushing your base threshold zone it's the best way to endure for this kind of races. But specifically for transcordilleras, and you said it, there's like super steep climbs that you you cannot maintain like a like a low power threshold, you have to push it because there's so steep that you, you will fall down from the bike. So for that type of, uh, for races like Transcordilleras or the gravel races, uh, it changed a little bit my training. Of course, having a huge amount of base uh, power zone uh, rides, it's it's crucial. But also in, in the weekdays, I had some interval sessions pushing a little bit more about above the numbers so i could get used to when i face a big climb a steep climb that i have to like charge on it so it swift a little bit so for transcordilleras i used to ride like long hours on the saddle so i can get used to it like for example a, a weekend would be like a two hour a two rides of eight hours the day mm -hmm. and in Transcordilleras, it was reduced a little bit, but with a little bit more of, 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 of potence, of, of, of power, and like spikes. So you could be used to it and your body get used to it. So it depends also on the distance. For a race like 400 kilometers, <laughs> the best is just get used to be on your bike. But for a gravel one, you have to also push some moments and, 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 and the body has to get uh, comfortable uh, being uncomfortable. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's all about uh, training and experience. You find that, uh, uh, what I heard uh, that you said, uh, you apply a lot of the things you learned during your previous ultra races to your events. I find that, uh, I find uh, I apply and I learn so much about myself and every event, there's something that uh, I can use or from the experience I got. Even if it's painful, you'll know, okay, how your body will react, what works for you. Sometimes what works for somebody might not work for you and then yeah. other pacing strategies might be good or sleeping. Do you find the same? Yeah, it, it is true what you're saying. And I think the only way for you to understand your own experience is having this type of experiences, right? I mean, 
if you like uh, if, if, if you like a little bit of gravel, a little bit of road, you should try a race of, of gravel. You know, it's, it's, it's a different experience. You will have fun and you will learn from it as well. And then you can you can see which type of uh, of race you like. There's like shorter races when you can push harder or there's longer races when you need to push uh, slower. But the thing is, like every experience that you get, it's experience that you gain and it, those experiences will help you out in a crucial moment, especially with the food, I think, and mechanicals. That's the two things that you need to really take in consideration. Of course, the sleep deprivation, that's that's the most personal thing you need to discover, right? Because, and, and, and we saw it in, Trans, in Transiberica, you guys were sleeping, I was not sleeping, and we both uh, crossed our paths in, the, in, in, in some days, you know? So that's, that's, that's something that you need to discover, and, and the experience is the, is the one that teaches you the lessons. Yeah, I remember that that you were sleeping outside and uh, we took a more comfy approach of sleeping in hotels. But at the end, you decided to start sleeping in hotels also. Yeah, but, exactly. But for Transcordilleras, did you sleep outside most of the time? I think uh, it was uh, a bit more under pressure, I will say. So you wanted to save as much time as possible. So what yeah. was your strategy? You were just taking out a BB and uh, sleeping in a bus stop or... Uh, How did you manage this? Yeah, so for Transcordilleras, I knew that there was only going to be one place where you're going to be like really exposed. And I was hoping I, I didn't have to pass that section at the night. When I realized I was uh, winning the race, of course, I just tried to push as much as I can. And the first day I, I didn't sleep at all. The second day I had to sleep. So I went to the, well, actually the checkpoint is a hotel. So I, I slept mm. for three hours and That was the only moment when I slept. I slept like three hours uh, using some power naps sometimes, but I was like really, really, really trying to push myself out because I, I wanted to win it. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting to win, so I was trying to defend my position. And there was only a huge mountain pass, which is almost uh, uh, 3,400 meters of, of altitude. And it's really, really cold when it's getting the night. So, and I unfortunately had to pass that section in the night and I got really tired and I had to stop to sleep. So I got my BB, my, my BB sack, uh, emergency BB back. Mm -hmm. And I had to sleep in, in, in the high peak at, at, at that elevation. And it was really challenging, but I knew I couldn't descend without getting like a micro sleep or something, you know, that's really dangerous. So I decided just to sleep and I got my, I got my thermal blanket BB bag and I, and you know, I, I, I you, you just crawl into a, into a survival position and, and you put it on top of it. And actually I, I got, I got used to have some sleep by, you know, by forcing this type of, of things. And I, I knew that I had to sleep at least 20 or, or, or 30 minutes. I ended up sleeping like almost an hour. Mm -hmm. and, and and actually those BB bags are impressive. It is like impressive to see how you can maintain a little bit of your warmth by only being with it. So that's, I mean, I, I knew it and I, I knew that if I'm gonna be on a race like this, I had to have something for my own security and that thermal blanket is, is crucial. So that saved me and saved my race. And, and then I could sleep and I could descend like more securely and Yeah, I mean, sleep deprivation is something really to take in consideration. And, and you say it, uh, uh, Cherry, is like if you, if you have the chance to sleep a little bit, 
you will be faster at the end. So it's you know it's it's a it's a hard decision though. <laughs> you, you need to you need to find it out. Exactly. For example, uh, the last race, what you said, having an emergency blanket, I think everybody should have one if they are planning to do an ultra race. That also saved me. I was having hypothermia in the middle of the night. Couldn't, uh, didn't know how to change even the battery of my SRAM shifter. So I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know what to do. And then I put the emergency blanket. I wrap it around my body and somehow kept on riding. And that was a lifesaver. So totally agree. You should have one of those <laughs> in your kit. <laughs> yeah, so what we were saying, like a sleeping equipment. So we have the air mattress. Do you use an air mattress? I actually was thinking about carrying one. Yeah, I use it for Transiberica. And in the 10-day race, I use it three, three, three nights, which is okay. I mean, I, I think it's definitely, uh, it, it helps you out with your sleep and it helps you out with being a little bit more comfortable. I bought one from Amazon. And it's like super lightweight and everything, and and, and it, it actually got the job done. So, but a race like Transcordilleras, for example, um, I didn't brought any mattress because I knew I wasn't going to sleep that much. And mm -hmm. in Colombia, you have a lot of hotels and places where you can sleep, and that's a that's a better choice. In Spain, sometimes you found like lost without anything to, you know, to stay, to sleep or something. And I was so tired. So I just decided to inflate my, my mattress and, and, and take a nap. But yeah, it's important where the place where you're racing, you decide to bring it or not. Yeah, exactly. And for example, uh, in Spain, uh, I know it's like ultra race, but uh, it is like self-routed. That makes a difference, mm. right? When yeah. you don't know where you're going to end up or if you plan well and there's race supplies. When it's organized, you expect that it's going to be, you know, there's something yeah. that is going to appear. But uh, in the self-supported, uh, self-routed ones, it's a bit more tricky, right? I know yeah. we started to follow somebody that was in front of us. That was kind of a lifesaver. And then all of a the sudden, there were gas stations, there were hotels. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think uh, having the local knowledge in this regard makes a huge yeah. difference. And adapting yourself, you know, like if you have a plan, but you see that your plan is not the best one and then you start seeing the other plans. I mean, if you adapt, you overcome. And that's important to know, you know, if, if everything changes in a race, everything can can definitely change and you need to be prepared for it. Exactly. But uh, it's not all suffering. So what's the part you enjoy the most from Transcordilleras or the races you've been that you are like this wow, wow moment, you know, ultra cycling is like a roller coaster of emotions. Sometimes you are very low, but sometimes you could be on top of the mountain on the sunrise and it's like the best moment yeah. ever. What yeah. was this moment for you? Oh man, Transcordilleras gives me so many good moments, but also like I had so many roller coasters on the way. I mean, one of the good moments was like, you know, middle of the night, you're by yourself. I start like, like I started like, I don't know, like, like singing, like super, <laughs> like screaming, singing when I was riding. There was like a sunset where, where I was like, I was leading for, for a long time. So I was like super happy and I was screaming of happiness and like dancing alone. And sometimes ultra cycling puts you in a, in a mental position that, you will never like realize how crazy you are, you know, like sometimes or sometimes uh, I was in a low moment and I started to cry and I cried a lot. I don't know why, just just like I got like 
emotional about stuff and it's that's a cool thing about ultra cycling you know you, you discover you, your deepest motion, emotions and uh, <laughs> i mean being by yourself is also like really challenging and, it, and it's cool i like it i like just to be immersed in adventure and and pushing myself out Exactly. And for example, in terms of equipment and preparation, what kind of equipment you take? Uh, do you use the same bike for road or off-road? You just change the tires or yeah. how do you do it? Yeah, so I use uh, an open bike, open wide. And this bike, it's really impressive because I have like the chance of just switching tires. And this bike is amazing for gravel, but also for road, and it's really comfortable. So I could, I, I can have both. And, and actually, I ride with a 1X chain ring on the front and uh, 12 speeds on the on, on the rear. And for that, it's, I mean, I did Transiberica on that configuration, and I was like really, I, I didn't feel that I was missing like a, a 2X chain ring, and 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 that's mm -hmm. cool. I mean, I, it's like it's, it's cool relying on your bike and trusting your bike that can do everything and and it, it, it is it, it is great just switch switch tires and they have rotors already so i you're gonna do gravel okay i'm just gonna switch it to gravel <laughs> i have like the two cassettes and everything so i just like switch it instead of having two bikes and and you know fitting them up and, and if some if, if a bike is not working very well so i have to fix it out and this this this, this is cool Yeah. Yeah, I know in Transiberica, even if it was a road event, we all did our part of gravel, right? Oh, man, <laughs> I remember yeah. you telling me you got man. lost in these gravel roads in the desert. Oh yeah. my god. Oh man, and and that's the thing, you know, you never know where it's gonna pass. And my tire selection what also was was like playing safe. I, I didn't went with Continental GP5000. I went with the Pirelli Cinturato, which is a little bit, uh, they're a little bit slower compared to the Continental, but they're really good against like gravel passes and everything. That, that, that I mean, I still fell down, but, but at, at least I was a little bit more comfortable with like some grips and stuff. And yeah, because I chose my own route, I, I make some mistakes and I was trying to, uh, compensate those mistakes by while using Google Maps and that took me into a gravel path like for 20 almost 20 kilometers I was like oh man and I had to walk sometimes and I was like desperate about it so so you have to I mean you, these decisions are really crucial and uh, the cool thing is that you, you can prepare yourself and, and my advice is just if you have a couple of different tires just try them on I mean, in Transiberica, we saw people going on gravel bikes, by the way, and they, they got on the shortcuts, on the gravel shortcuts, and they were, like, really effective. So, I mean, this race is for you to, to unveil them, you know, to discover whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. So what advice would you give to somebody thinking about signing to their first ultra race? Oh, man, I think... I think choose the... I mean, choose the race that... or choose the event that you want to do at first, I mean, the one that you like the most by looking through the Instagram page or, or through the community or through your friends advice or, or the challenge that you want to set up or, or, or the distance, even the distance. I mean, you can start with a, with a smaller 300 kilometer race and then push up a little bit. Or if you want to go straight for a 1000 kilometer race, that's okay. If you feel like you are not feeling comfortable on the gravel, you can choose a, 
a road a road race, right? And and, and that's the cool thing about these events that are coming on coming in, uh, and there's a lot of events now, and that's the cool thing. You want to choose like really challenging stuff, you can find it. If you want to choose a, a little bit more paced or not even a race, but a good event, uh, I mean, just do it. And don't be scared about maybe not finishing the first time because it, it, it is hard. It is like really hard and, and your body will be also feeling it. And that's the thing. You need to also recover and you need to be like really patient about your body. Uh, so just definitely my, my advice would be just, just to go in. I mean, if, if you don't feel secure, so don't, don't choose a, a longer route, just choose a, a smaller one. And, and I, I don't know, I, I like how you guys train back in the Netherlands because in, in, in winter time, you don't have, you don't have like long distance stuff. You go on, you, how do you do? You train for the summer or how is it? What, how do you do, uh, Charlie? Uh, well, here in the Netherlands, it's uh, very cold in winter, so we try to escape maybe to Colombia, like we <laughs> did this year. And uh, otherwise, we do a lot of indoor training, so like focus on more high intensity on the turbo, and sometimes uh, put a lot of clothes and layers on and go for a long ride outside. But that's normally quite painful. <laughs> Okay. So the long-term plan is to go to sunny countries to spend the winter there. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> spoiled. Camp. Yeah, we're mm. spoiled on that one because we don't we don't have too much seasons. We have a lot of rain though, but it's really good to have a place where you can ride 24/7. We don't know issues and, and 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 yeah. So yeah, I mean, just love racing or just love just riding bikes, man. It's it's it's, it's the best thing you can do. Just ride your bike and. And if you feel like you want to put a challenge, you can start with the challenge that you want. It's like a, it's like an open box for you to discover. Exactly. And uh, what's next for you, Julian? Any events on the calendar? Well, yeah, I actually, oh man, um, I, I will play it a little bit. I mean, I already did Transcordilleras this year, which was really great, but also it took too much of my fitness. And I'm mm -hmm. still like I'm still like getting again to ride a little bit more steady because uh, I mean I am not a professional cyclist and I don't have like unlimited time for uh, ride my bike. I actually work in in the office uh, at the office uh, every single day. I mean I have the weekends, but sometimes I have to film and I have to work. But that doesn't stop me to ride. But whenever I can and whenever I'm here, I try to ride. And this year, um, I might go to Brazil biking man for a 1000 kilometer race with a 19,000 elevation gain. And next year I will prepare myself for the transcontinental. That will be, that will be like my biggest challenge so far. And I'm super excited about what you're going to learn from it, Cherry. Oh, wow. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I think I will have some insights of the race there. Yeah, yeah, that's a bucket list one, uh, I think, for most ultra cyclists, right? Yeah, that, that's the thing. And, and, and then I'm planning to do some like local races here. The, the cycling community and the gravel community is, is, is growing a lot uh, with Terradosa, which are my sponsors and are like one of the ambassadors of, of the gravel culture. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, nice events and, and activities and actually the whole community is, is bringing up some more gravel stuff more gravel uh, events and some ultra cycling races. There are actually some uh, some free uh, free events for everyone, you know, 
So mm-hmm. that's cool. And and I, I actually in 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 two weeks I'm gonna be in a in a Everest in Rome, 400 kilometers uh, with 10,000 elevation gain, and you have to do it below 36 hours. And this wow. is the first this is the first time that that more than 150 people are joining in and everybody is going to do it so that's going to be exciting and it's it's building up you know and i'm excited to see what talents are going to are going to are going to are going to born from all of these events and 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 and, and that's great i mean i'm excited this is going to grow a lot wow that's fantastic so i will leave some links to terradosa in the show notes if you are interested and also Julian's Instagram, so you can find him and follow his adventures. Thank you so much, Julian, for being in the show and uh, giving you some insights into ultra cycling, your experience, and uh, really nice to have you here. No, thank you very much, Eri. It was great uh, talking to you. I hope we can meet up soon to, uh, you know, race again. Uh, found ourselves in the middle of the night <laughs> while tired and yeah I mean it's exciting I hope you can you can you can come back here and yeah thank you thank you so much and for the listeners we will have more shows with the experts in the industry and of course riders so stay tuned thank you so much <laughs>